supposed to talk on evangelist fellowships. Uh, before I do that, let me just do a little bit of who I am and the backdrop. And I've got a PowerPoint if technology works. Is that, you see that, folks? Someone say yes. Someone raise their hand and wave at me. Okay, great. Okay. Yes. Uh, I have been married for 47 years, the lady beside me there, and we have five adult children, uh, age 46 is a boy, age 34 is a boy, three girls in between, and they've had a lot of babies, bless their hearts. My five kids have had, uh, my 12th grandchild is on the way in about three weeks, so that's my tribe. Uh, let me tell you one more thing. Um, I was um, drawing a blank on my own life, and that's not good. Maybe that's a mark of senility. I'm 69, almost 70. And uh, I pastored for 23 years in Kansas City, a small, a medium, and a large church. Then I was done pastoring. Uh, and God switched me over to what really is my primary calling, and that is evangelist. I've been doing that for about 18 years now. Uh, there's a big difference between being a pastor and being an evangelist. Uh, the truth is pastors need to get together because of their uniqueness and their calling. And the opposite's true is evangelists need to get together because they're unique and uh, they need one another. And I discovered that not long after becoming an evangelist. And Jonathan's having me talk about evangelist fellowships for probably two reasons. One is he wants to stoke the fires of evangelism uh, in all of us, but he also wants to uh, have you become intercessors on behalf of something God is doing in our generation. Uh, let me just move right into that. Uh, these are some of my evangelist friends. You probably recognize them. I'm the guy in the middle. Hope you're laughing at that joke. Okay. Uh, when I was at IHOP in Kansas City, we started something called the Kansas City Evangelist Fellowship. And uh, since I moved out to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2018, obviously the Kansas City label didn't work. So we started something new, the International Evangelist Fellowship. And the Lord just uh, stopped me in my mind, so let me pray. God, help me talk to uh, these folk, say what's relevant, say what's uh, meaningful, say what's helpful, and most of all, God, say what you once said. Uh, help God, in Jesus' name, amen. So the uh, vision of the International Evangelist Fellowship, it sounds grandiose, but really it's not. That's to see God raise up a million evangelists across America. Now, right now in America, there is a million pastors. H.B. Uh, London, who was uh, a relative of uh, the Focus on the Family guy, he oversaw the mailing list of Focus on the Family. James Dobson gave him the task of pastoring the pastors in America connected to Focus on the Family. He had a mailing list of almost 700,000 pastors. And so his is a partial list. So without any question, there's a million people who call themselves pastors. So as an evangelist, as a former pastor, 
why not believe God as a intercessor for a million evangelists to be raised up across America? And the simple logic is, you know, God said, come, let us reason together. God would much rather bless America. He'd much rather save America than he would to lower the boom and judge America. And uh, you who take your intercession seriously know that judgments of God are a very big reality in the Bible. In fact, uh, judgment day and the judgments of God are the number one topic in the whole Bible, uh, three times mentioned more often than any other topic. So we want to see God's heart of love expressed to America. We want to see people get saved. And uh, there's an old ditty. When I was growing up, my dad was quite an outdoorsman. And he said, uh, fishermen catch 90% of the fish. The people that go out on a Sunday afternoon, they don't catch any fish. But the guys who really like to fish, and they kind of fish whenever they want to, they catch 90% of the fish. And it's really true. Uh, you put an evangelist in the mix and they're catching fish where no one else was catching souls that were lost. And everybody's supposed to be a witness and it's a group project and uh, God gets all the glory for it. But just like a, an anointed Bible teacher, you'd much rather sit beneath that kind of teaching gift than you would someone who doesn't really know the Bible very well and doesn't have an ability to speak. So same thing's true in evangelism. <clears throat> and certainly it's true in worship leading. If the worship leader can't carry a tune, and if the worship leader has no ability to segue between songs, and if he can't bring heaven down to earth during the worship service, you're looking for a new church. And so people have different gifts. Uh, and so God's made it that way. So we need one another. What I'm saying tonight, and you probably know this, is you, uh, the church, the nation, needs God to raise up a million evangelists. And it is a worthy cause of intercession. Cry out to God with me for God to raise up a million evangelists. <clears throat> and evangelists uh, have typically been lone rangers. And that's kind of good because we're going to do whatever God tells us to do, whether anyone else is going to do it with us. It's kind of... Uh, Someone's got to say something. No one's saying anything. I'll say it. And so we get a reputation for being a little bit like Apostle Peter, you know, have foot and mouth disease, and we stick our foot in our mouth, but at least we say something. We, at least we say something. Most of the church is in the closet. And I'm a little intimidated by the LGBTQ community. They used to be in the closet, but now the church is in the closet. The LGBTQ has come out. They're having gay pride parades in most of the major cities, dancing down Main Street half naked. I've been in Minneapolis, I've been in New Orleans, I've been in New York. I mean, they're out of the closet. And so what God wants, I think, is the church to come out, to speak unashamedly, to speak boldly, and as persuasively as we can, about who Jesus Christ is before it's too late. Well, the group that's going to do that first, and the group that theoretically should do it best, is the evangelist. I mean, they just are gifted by God. In fact, there is no gift of evangelism. That's bad theology. The evangelist is a gift to the body of Christ. 
you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, God gave gifts to men. And they were the men and the women of God who have those offices. Evangelism is a learned behavior. That's why, as an evangelist, I can equip people to do the work of evangelism. If it wasn't learned behavior, I could not equip anyone. And so God needs to raise up a million evangelists who lead the charge. And uh, <laughs> I think about the, the church in China. You know, it's openly being persecuted. And there are real martyrs dying on a regular basis in other nations besides America. And much of the time, it's the, uh, it's the evangelist, you know, like apostles in the first century. I cannot but speak what I've seen and what I've heard. Like that old gospel song we sang a few years ago, I got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. So we need people with that kind of spirit. And uh, they can't be lone rangers. Uh, because they don't do as well when they're by themselves. The Bible says plainly two are better than one. There's a little ditty that I learned years ago from a missionary. He said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take someone with you. And so the vision that, that I see in my spirit is God raising up a million evangelists and there being an evangelist fellowship in every town in America. Now, if you want something big to pray for, uh, there's your mountain. Claim that mountain like Caleb. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I've been believing this thing now for about uh, oh, probably this, these two points, a million evangelists and a fellowship in every town. I've been believing that for about five years. And the numbers are getting smaller and smaller in my heart. If you'll, if you'll give yourself to intercession for these, it'll happen. You know what? There's a pastor's fellowship in every town in America. I was 23 years in the pastoral world. I know some of those fellowships are good, some of them are not so good, and some of them are really bad. So what? But there's gonna be an evangelist fellowship in every town in America. And the mission for this whole thing is to awaken and gather evangelists so they fulfill their calling in God. Some of you folks listening right now uh, may be closet evangelists. So I'm calling you out tonight. <laughs> There's a quickening in your spirit and, and, and your little tuning fork is starting to resonate inside. That's because you might be an evangelist. I usually find one or two evangelists every week out here in Raleigh. I witness every day and I meet a lot of Christians. And after I've rejoiced with them for a while about them knowing Christ, I say, hey, uh, do you know any evangelists? And they, uh, almost everybody who's really born again knows at least one or two people who they think are evangelists. So they give me their contact information and I'll do a cold turkey call. And I've never had a bad call. I've called over a hundred people out here in Raleigh and uh, they're all just delighted to have an evangelist, call them up and instantly there's rapport and there's this uh, connection of kindred spirits, and he's a better evangelist, and I'm a better evangelist because we connected. Well, and some of them 
or just barely awake. Just like if you're awakening to a calling as an intercessor or you're awakening to a calling as a business person in the marketplace, you know, it's like, is that God? Is that not God? When you bring another person with that same calling into the picture where you are, then the, the clarity increases. There's more sharpness on the vision God's given you. So obviously I was joking about this crowd being closet evangelists, but maybe there are some. And but figure out with God's aid and the counsel of other people what God's called you to do. And there's a hundred legitimate callings in God, maybe more than that. It's not just the five-fold ministry. My wife is not an evangelist. She's not a pulpit personality. She is one of the best gift givers on earth. She gives with laser precision. And the person always says, that's exactly what I wanted. How did you know? Well, she's got a gift. And she is fulfilling her calling in life as a giver. And of course, you know, that's a big category in God's nature. He's a giver. Okay, there you go. Uh, let me uh, quickly. An evangelist fellowship, you need three things. Evangelists, financial partners, and intercessors. So I'm just curious, are you an evangelist? Are you a partner? Are you an intercessor? And you can't intercede for everything, right? But as I'm talking to you in the sovereignty of God, there's a good chance you're supposed to adopt uh, the International Evangelist Fellowship or adopt the Luis Palau Association or the Billy Graham Association or the Andrew Chalmers. Uh, the next evangelist is going to speak at 730. I mean, don't let the evangelism picture, now I'll say the difference, don't let your donation picture and your intercession picture not have a piece that involves reaching lost people. Uh, we need to look outside the church more than we do now. So there you go. Here's some verses for you intercessor folk, just to warm your hearts. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay, I'm one of the workers. Okay? I'm one of the leaders in evangelism. There aren't many of us. There's going to be more. Therefore, because you're gonna pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth laborers into the harvest. I uh, am working in the nation of Myanmar. It's been closed down for over 40 years because of a military junta. It just opened up about 2012 and missions agencies are pouring resources and personnel into the nation of Myanmar. It's over there between India and Bangladesh. I was talking to a guy today because we think we've identified him as the national coordinator for our efforts we have uh, ministered to about 200 evangelists this year in seminars. And so they're all jazzed up, but we need somebody on site to keep identifying and keep awakening and keep inspiring evangelists so they fulfill their calling in God. That's a worthy thing for you to pray about. Okay. Uh, partners means you give money. There's no problem understanding that, is there? Everybody needs money. So do evangelism ministries. And I like this one. It says he gave some as evangelists, that's Ephesians 4. And he tells us in 1 Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. As I said before, uh, there's a lot of half-baked callings. Uh, they're not being fulfilled. 
So let me be the preacher to this crowd. Are you fulfilling your calling in God? Here's a thought. This is not a very happy thought. It's judgment day. And you stand in front of God. And God says, welcome to heaven. He says, what was your calling? And you go, uh, I don't know. I, I, I never really figured it out. Not a good answer. Because the grace was always there for you to do what God wanted you to do. And then say, you say, yes, I was a Bible teacher. Yes, I was called as a businesswoman. Or yes, I was an evangelist. God says, that's right. You heard my voice. Did you fulfill your calling in God? You don't want to say no on that day. You want to be able to say with all sincerity, God, yes, I did my very best by your grace. I failed many times, but I gave it a lot of energy. And then God will say, enter to the joy of your Lord, and great rewards will be your portion. I, I, um, I used to be a pastor, and a pastor has a thousand things on his plate. And I think now, just to be theoretical, if I was to pastor a church again, God, please don't make me do that. I would want everyone in the congregation to know what their particular calling was. And not everybody's a leader, so you fit underneath someone else's leadership skills, but it's all in the same calling. Uh, there's got to be more to church than just giving money, listening to someone else teach and preach, and singing to the Lord. As wonderful as those things are, that's really not the unique thing God's called you to do. So I want to encourage you to press into God far enough and hard enough and long enough that he tells you, and then he confirms it as to what you're called to do. I found that out. It's to be an evangelist. Okay. Uh, evangelists need to get together, just like it says in Hebrews. Let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. I meet a lot of discouraged evangelists. And it just, like today, that guy in Myanmar, he was talking about the evangelists. They're going every which direction, and they don't have any coordination. All they have is zeal, and they need coordination, leadership, and they need to be encouraged so they don't stop doing what God's told them to do. It's so easy. The devil gets in there and tells people, you're no good at this. Why don't you just stop? And they listen, and they stop. Here's the thought. Evangelists are a gift of God to the church. Uh, they're worship and witness warriors of the kingdom. And everybody fits into that description, but there's a unique category of those evangelists that many evangelists are asleep, like I said. Uh, they're asleep to their calling, and they're standing idle in the marketplace. They're not fulfilling their calling. Now, this uh, this is terrible because I am a, um, a literalist when I read the Bible, unless God is saying it's an allegory or, uh, you know, just figurative. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And people are perishing by the millions and millions. And if I have the truth in me and I'm walking past someone God wants me to talk to, I can't talk to them all but I can talk to several every day. 
I do not want to stand idle in the marketplace. I don't want laziness to restrict me or fear of man or busyness or indifference. Those attitudes are not the attitude that was in Christ Jesus who said about himself, he came to seek and to save the lost. So it really bothers me if uh, people are called as evangelists, don't know it, or maybe know it, and they're really not fulfilling it. They're just standing idle. So there's another good point for intercession. When evangelists get together, the Holy Spirit broods over them like in Genesis 1, and new realities are created. Uh, and evangelists need a larger vision than just themselves. Here's a great little quote. What I'm a part of is more important than the part I play. That's true about 10 days of prayer. I mean, Jonathan has gathered, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the earth to join themselves together to pray. And so what I'm a part of in 10 days is more important than my little prayer I pray to pray today. God likes my little prayer, but he wants me to be a part of something bigger. And so evangelists need to be a part of something bigger than just their individual evangelism ministries. I hope you're shouting amen. I can't hear a thing you're saying. I'll just pretend you are. Okay. Uh, Jesus' style of discipleship, which was small groups, that's the best model for spiritual growth. I'm building a case for evangelist fellowships. Jesus had his 12 people. He had his 70 people and his big crowds. Of course, we know the 12 apostles. Uh, Jesus, our evangelists need pastoral care from evangelist leaders to remain healthy and fruitful. Uh, if you're not an evangelist, you really can't know the depth of the temptations that we face. And uh, one of the biggest is to say, to heck with the church. They don't care about lost. And I'll prove it to you. Just look at their budget. How many churches, even big ones, have evangelists on staff? Or to change the scenario, the heck with the church. How many of them have paid intercessors on their staff? Now you can go down that road. It's not a good road to go down. Because <laughs> you start dogging on the bride of Christ, which Jesus happens to love a lot. And so I get young evangelists. They're full of zeal. And they want to turn the world upside down. They want to get people saved. And their church doesn't know what to do with them. Their church doesn't support them. Their church doesn't edify them. Their church doesn't even recognize them. I know whereof I speak on this. And so it's not the dog on the church. That's not the conclusion. The conclusion is find your brethren with the same calling. Get with other evangelists. Keep your heart and your attitude right. And then go back into the local church as a healthy, good attitude believer who supports whatever the church does but don't forget to fulfill your calling as an evangelist outside the walls of the church an evangelist primarily his field of service is outside the walls of the church i'm about done i got one minute i think so when, here's a thought when sheep get together they multiply when people get together they multiply when evangelists get together they multiply so i just want really to encourage you to pray for evangelist fellowships Here's a good thought from Victor Hugo. The strongest armies in the world cannot stop an idea whose time has come. That's true about the International House of Prayer. 
Mike Bickle has no government jurisdiction over any of the thousands of houses of prayer around the world. None. Zero. He doesn't want it. The house of prayer idea is just that. It's an idea. And I believe evangelist fellowship is an idea from God. And it's time has come. And nothing's going to be able to stop. I've got all kinds of uh, prophecies, but I'm not going to get into them. So I'm not going to get into them, but they're great. How God's encouraged me, you know, what I'm doing with the Evangelist Fellowship is the will of God. So there's the vision again. There's the mission. So if you want to get with me, uh, I'm going to give you some contact information. There you go. I'd love to uh, talk with you. If you know an evangelist and you think they might need some encouragement, if you'll let me have their information, I guarantee they won't be upset. Uh, I'll personally contact them and encourage them and see what God does. Uh, there's lots of good God's doing around the world, uh, recognizing and calling out evangelists and then strengthening them to do what God's told them to do is certainly one of those things that God's doing. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this wonderful 10 days of prayer. Thank you for the emphasis that Jonathan's made uh, on evangelism and even evangelists getting together in fellowships. God, we agree with you. Two are better than one. And God, we agree with you that it's not wisdom uh, to forsake assembling together. And we do ask you, God, raise up one million fiery evangelists across America who would rather die than stop talking about Jesus to people that they see every day. God, who, who want to be like you more than anything else in life to seek, find, and save those who are lost. God, let the flames of hell burn in the heart of every evangelist. May he do what must be done to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. I pray that God in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jonathan.